reading this morning is from the 8th chapter of Proverbs. So if you have your own Bibles, 8th chapter of Proverbs. Uh, if you have one of the Bibles from the back, it's on page 453. And the one that you see on the back of your message notes, it says ESV. That is uh, the standard version. And I'm actually not going to use that one. So if my reading sounds different than that, that is why. I'm using the New Living Translation. Sometimes things just speak to you a little bit easier. I'm also going to be reading the entire 8th chapter. So uh, the one that you have, I think, is verses 10 through 21 and, uh, and onwards. But please listen for the Word of God. Listen as wisdom calls out. Hear as understanding raises her voice. On the hilltop, along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroads. By the gates at the entrance to the town, on the road leading in, she cries aloud, I call to you, to all of you. I raise my voice to all people. You simple people, use good judgment. You foolish people, show some understanding. Listen to me, for I have important things to tell you. Everything I say is right, for I speak the truth and detest every kind of deception. My advice is wholesome. There is nothing devious or crooked in it. My words are plain to anyone with understanding, clear to those with knowledge. Choose my instruction rather than silver, and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. I, wisdom, live together with good judgment. I know where to discover knowledge and discernment. All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. Common sense and success belong to me. Insight and strength are mine. Because of me, Kings reign and rulers make just decrees. Rulers lead with my help and nobles make righteous judgments. I love all who love me. Those who search will surely find me. I have riches and honor as well as enduring wealth and justice. My gifts are better than gold, even the purest gold. My wages better than sterling silver. I walk in righteousness, in paths of justice. Those who love me inherit wealth. I will fill their treasuries. The Lord formed me from the beginning. Before he created anything else, I was appointed in ages past at the very first, before the earth began. I was bef born before the oceans were created before the springs bubbled forth their waters, before the mountains were formed, before the hills I was born, before he had made the earth and fields and the first handfuls of soil, I was there when he established the heavens, when he drew the horizon on the oceans. I was there when he set the clouds above, when he established springs deep in the earth. I was there when he set the limits of the seas so they would not spread beyond their boundaries. And when he marked off the earth's foundations, I was the architect at his side. I was his constant delight, rejoicing always in his presence. And how happy I was with the world he created. How I rejoiced with the human family. And so my children, 
Listen to me. For all who follow my ways are joyful. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Don't ignore it. Joyful are those who listen to me, watching for me daily at my gates, waiting for me outside my home. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But those who miss me injure themselves. All who hate me love death. This is the word of God. Thank you, Richard. Appreciate that very much. It's a beautiful, beautiful hymn to wisdom, which is exact, actually the, uh, uh, the whole point of the book of Proverbs. It's a book about wisdom, which leads me to, leads me to ask a question. What does it take to live well? What does it require in order to live well? Is it a matter of money or education or knowledge? Well, as good as all of these things are, we could all give many examples of people who have all of these things, but who've made a, a total mess of their lives despite their money, despite their education, despite their knowledge. And we could all think of people who've had none of these, but have lived happy and productive lives. No, although money and education and knowledge are certainly valuable things to have in life, they don't guarantee living a flourishing life. Well, perhaps living well is directly related to having a strong sense of, of moral goodness, of, of knowing right from wrong and, and determining to live according to that standard. Maybe purity and moral goodness is the key to living a really good life. Well, of course, moral rectitude is a great thing. I highly recommend it. But simply knowing the difference between right and wrong doesn't guarantee you that we will know how to apply that knowledge to the nuances of our lives. Do you understand that? We can know the difference in right and wrong, but if we don't know how to apply it in the decisions we have to make in our lives, that can be difficult because often the most important and critical decisions of our lives are not really about right and wrong. For example, who do I marry or Will I marry or what career will I go or should I take this job or the other job? These are decisions that don't just get, aren't just answered purely by facts nor by moral purity or goodness as valuable as all those things are. We need something that includes them but goes beyond them. What we need is wisdom. Wisdom is a vital aspect of learning how to live well. And so there's no better place to go to discover wisdom than this book that we'll begin reading in our daily project this week. <laughs> this week. Uh, it's, it, it's the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom in the middle of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. And if you're in our daily bread project, you will begin to take a look at it on, I think, on Thursday of this week. So I thought I'd kind of lead you into that book by giving you a, 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 some thoughts about wisdom. How do we find it? What's it all about? Why is it important? How do we get it? What does the Bible say about it? There's a lot to talk about. We'll talk about it more next week. But today I just wanted to give an introduction to that. And we're going to take a look at that topic today by considering the major portion of this eighth chapter, which tells us some very important things about, uh, about wisdom. It tells us about the importance of wisdom. It tells us, it gives us the description of wisdom. It describes the paradox of wisdom and affirms the heart 
of wisdom. So let's take a look at these ideas together. First of all, the importance of wisdom. It's affirmed, and, and again, my message is going to start with the 10th verse of, of the 8th chapter here. It's affirmed throughout, but in particular, in verses 10 and 11, we see that wisdom is essential. You can put this down in your notes. It is essential to a flourishing life. Wisdom is personified in this whole chapter. The chapter in your Bible is written in quotes, and wisdom is speaking to us and inviting us to listen to her and to apply her to our lives. And and so she says in the 10th and 11th verse, take my instruction instead of silver and acknowledge and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. She's saying to us that wisdom is more important than money, it's more important than gold, it's more important than jewels, it's more important than anything else we might desire. Wisdom is so vital and critical. It's more important than all these things. It's more important than wealth, fame, power, and influence. Far more important, you see, than having great circumstances is the ability and the, to be able to flourish and grow in your circumstances, whatever they are. We know this is true, don't we? We all know of people who may have had all of life's advantages. They grew up in the right home. They had the right education. They even had the right people in their lives, their right right family, the right opportunities. But their lives totally unraveled, and perhaps they went nowhere. And then we know others who have had none of life's great advantages, none of the silver spoons or none of even the greatest um, uh, things, the basic necessities that we would like to see in life. And sometimes these people are living flourishing lives. That's one of the values of going into another culture, a less uh, wealthy culture than our own. We might, like when I'm down in Honduras this last spring, or when you're serving people, you can find people, they have a much more joyful, flourishing life, even though they... uh, uh, they don't have any of the things that you, uh, you imagine. I remember visiting Jamaica many years ago, which is not a particularly poverty-stricken country, but it's certainly not, not like being in the United States. And so we were there, and I could tell you lots of stories about this trip I took to Jamaica, but I remember talking to uh, one, of the, one of the pastors there and asking them about the poverty that was there in Jamaica. And he didn't know, but I was talking about all the people who live on the hillsides around his parish. I didn't say it out loud, but uh, it was up in the mountains of Jamaica. And he said, no, we don't have much poverty here. People are pretty good. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what an idiot I am. (laughs) They had perfectly good, happy, normal lives. They didn't have indoor plumbing, but that didn't matter, right? They had learned how to live well. Yeah, we know that those things, while they're valuable, are not always great and important to having a good life. Why is wisdom so important? It's absolutely essential to making good decisions. And making good decisions is absolutely essential to living a flourishing life. No matter what your socioeconomic background, no matter what your relational context, wisdom is what I need to make good decisions. And making good decisions is what I need to have a good life, right? So we need wisdom no matter what our circumstances are. Sometimes we need just facts, but more often we need more information than that. Who do I marry? Who should I, should I even marry? What career? What school? What job? Do I speak up or do I shut up? Do I say what I'm thinking or don't say what I'm thinking? Uh, do, I, do I take the risk or do I play it safe? Any number of things that we go through all the time are not always a matter of right and wrong, but having wisdom. In countless big and small ways, we need more than good rules 
and more than good information to make a good decision. We need good wisdom. So that's the importance of wisdom. And so what the, what the whole book of Proverbs is essentially an instructional instruction manual that was compiled by the Jewish people in order to help their young men, particularly, that's why it says my son throughout, um, in order to help their young men learn how to become wise men in their communities and in their homes. It was a book of pithy sayings, of, of wise words that were not meant to be simply taken out one at a time and made like a, a certain rule of thumb, but rather looked at as a whole and discussed within a community so that you could, over the course of time, become a wise man. And so the basic, uh, the, the Proverbs themselves begin about the 10th chapter. The first nine chapters are essentially an, an introduction and an invitation to eschew foolishness and to embrace wisdom. And so that's the part that we're looking at. Uh, so, we see, and so we see in the eighth chapter, I could have gone anywhere, but this seemed like a good place to go to see something about what I've called here the description of wisdom. That's the second main point, the description of wisdom. And we will see as we look at this that wisdom is the application of insight and prudence to the complexities of life. Life is very complex. It's not always easy to know. You go through it all the time, right? Do I stay in this job? Do I leave that job? Do I look for a new job? What do I do? We go through these things all the time. And what we need is, is prudence and insight to be able to apply facts to the complexities of life. And so in this 12th verse and following, we see that wisdom is described, she describes herself for us and she says this in the 12th verse, and you can always read these on the back of your message notes as well if you don't have your own Bible. She says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. And I find knowledge, and prudence is not a person, it's a quality, right? I dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and good wisdom and sound wisdom. I have insight, I have strength. By me, kings reign. And rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. In order to govern justly and to make good decisions, you need to have good wisdom. Now, there are many synonyms for wisdom that are used, but I thought I'd just pick up these two that are in here because they come up constantly in the book. The first is that word insight in the 14th verse. I have insight. And that was from a Hebrew word which really means knowing how things really work, how things really happen, insight, just how do things really work. If you think from a mechanical point of view, when I turn my car on and it starts, I say thank you, and when I say, when I turn my car on and it doesn't start, I say, help, Lord, and I don't know what's going on inside that engine, right? I don't know. I just turned it on. Hopefully there's gas. I knew a few things. Others of you, on the other hand, you know how things work. And so you can have wisdom dealing with the problems that come on when your car runs or doesn't, doesn't run as it should. That's, what, that's, that's insight. We need insight, knowing how things really happen. And then there's another word, prudence, the 12th verse. And that means in Hebrew to notice little distinctions, to notice little distinctions, to notice things that others might not be able to observe. I think, for example, of Sherlock Holmes. You know, when he would walk in, you know him, right? When he would walk into a disheveled room, he would notice things that no one else would notice. 
We might just say, this room's a mess. But he would say, you know, they, this happened and this happened and this happened and all these things because he had that fictional character, the ability to see distinctions within the messy room. And wisdom learns how to see the distinctions. We need wisdom in our political discourse, but that's another topic. <laughs> we don't often see distinctions. We just have an opinion, right? Wisdom. We need, but we need wisdom as we read, as we, uh, as we entertain ourselves, as we make decisions, and we need to see little distinctions. How often in our families we reacted unwisely to our wife or our husband or our children or our parents because we didn't notice the little distinctions of the situation. We covered it over the white brush, and we just assumed one thing, and we weren't right. That ever happened to you? Yeah, yeah. We just, we don't see, wisdom sees the distinctions and begins to apply them to act uh, accordingly. So it knows, whereas the insight kind of talks about how things really work, prudence kind of talks about how things really are, how they really are. And then it goes on to say that wisdom is essential to good leadership. By me, kings reign justly. If they're able to do it, it's because they've learned how to apply wisdom and prudence and other things, but those are two I just picked out, to the complexities of life. You see, wisdom is the application of insight and prudence to the complexities of our lives. Insight, how things really work, and prudence, how things really are, to the complexities of life. One classic definition by a, a, a theologian who studied this carefully in his book, Wisdom in Israel, he said, wisdom is becoming comp competent, competent with regard to the realities of life. Becoming competent with regard to the realities of life. He said, the wise have knowledge, the wise have moral character, but they also have a character of mind and heart so that they always do the right thing even when the rules aren't clear. Yes, the wise have care. Uh, the wisdom, another writer says, is the ability to judge correctly and follow the best course of action based upon knowledge and understanding. Yes, we need wisdom, and wisdom is the ability to see what's going on. And how often do you pray? I pray one of my most common prayers, Lord, give me wisdom. I have decisions, leadership decisions that I need to make. So cultivating wisdom is very important. Now, again, this is merely an introduction to wisdom. You're going to learn a lot about it as you read through this book, and we'll talk about it again next, uh, next week. But let's go thirdly then to what I call the paradox of wisdom as we see in this text. And there's, there's something um, there's something clearly, uh, 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 clearly uh, going on to it. We want to, what we want to see is that wisdom is woven into the fabric of the universe, but we can see it only partly. Now, I, I have to ask you to think with me a little bit. I know it's early on a Sunday morning, but I want you to think with me because there's some very powerful words we're going to look at here in just a moment. And what it does is it describes for us that wisdom precedes creation. Did you notice it when Richard read it? Before the world existed, I was there. And these Hebrew people had an idea, and I'll talk about it a little bit more, that somehow God had woven together all of creation with a, a pattern of wisdom which would make this great creation work right. And that that wisdom governed physical realities, social realities, 
spiritual realities. And as we were able to discover that wisdom, we could have physical health, social health, and spiritual health. Wisdom was there before the world was created. So we see that there's kind of a, a paradox uh, about this in that it's woven into the fabric of the universe, but we can't see it totally. Now let me see if I can help you understand this. Listen to this hymn about the role of wisdom in creation. It's the 22nd verse. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His work as the first of His acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before He made the earth with its fields and the verse of the dust of the world, when He established the heavens, I was there. When He drew a circle on the face of the deep, when He made firm the skies above, when He established the fountains of the deep, when He assigned to the sea its limit so the waters might not transgress His command, when He marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Now, that's a beautiful poem, but it is a stunning work of theology, a stunning work of theology. These people were writing in the midst of a pagan culture which had essentially two ideas about creation. If you read ancient creation myths and literature in other cultures, you'll see that often either, create, either the world is merely an illusion that the real thing was somewhere else, it was a pattern of something greater like Platonic thought, right? Or they would also, and more commonly, more anciently, they saw the world as occurring as a power struggle between various gods who fought one another, and the remains of it fell over, and the earth was a, merely an accident, a power struggle. These were the prevailing viewpoints about how the world got here. But these followers of the God of Israel, in this creation poem, which is unique in all ancient literature, speaks about creation as occurring by the divine, the loving intent and artistry of God with wisdom as His companion in making that happen. These people spoke about God as a master artist and even said, did you notice it? Rejoicing in His creation, like, like the painter saying, isn't this marvelous? Isn't this beautiful? Like the violinist who's just enjoying his music while he's creating the music. Or like the conductor who's having this beautiful symphony coming out of thin air because of the waving of his arms by the participation of all these great instruments or these great vocalists. Any of you who are musicians, you know what I'm talking about. There's a beauty and a, a joy as God is doing it, and wisdom is right there along beside him. That's a beautiful poetic picture that shows that the, these people understood that creation wasn't an accident. It wasn't an illusion. It was part of God's loving design, and He had woven wisdom into the the middle of that. There was an intentionality, an essential wisdom at the root of the creative order. So there was a, a pattern or a wisdom to physical reality. And it's true. Aerodynamics, for example, if the object obeys the laws of aerodynamics, it'll fly, right? And if it does not, it will crash. 
There's a wisdom built in the physical realities of life. I read a biography of the Wright brothers this past summer, and then while we were in uh, D.C. the first time over Labor Day, I got a chance to see the Wright bar, this portion of the museum, and it was fascinating to see these bicycle manufacturers from Dayton, Ohio, I think that was the place, um, figuring out how to make an object heavier than air fly. And the Smithsonian had spent thousands and thousands of dollars and another product trying to make it happen, but they weren't following the rules of the, of the aerodynamics. But uh, uh, Wilbur and Orville Wright figured out how to work with nature, how to work with the laws of aerodynamics in order for something to fly. And there is wisdom in that. They understood that. You understand it. There is also a pattern and a wisdom to relational reality. If you do not live according to it, your relationships will crash. And there is a pattern to spiritual reality. If you live according to it, you will flourish. And if you live opposed to it, you will crash. In the biblical idea, wisdom is going against the pattern, the fabric, uh, the, uh, the design of creation. Uh, foolishness is going against the pattern, the fabric, the design of creation. Wisdom is, is working with it. That's why it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Understanding who made this world and what he's doing in this world, that's the beginning of, of all wisdom. There's a great pattern of basic wisdom to life. They wanted to discover what God was doing. God has made the world in a certain way, but you cannot see it perfectly. You only see it Partly. We have a, sometimes we think we know the whole thing when we know something, and that was the problem that Job's friends had in the book we read a while ago. They understood that, generally speaking, God punishes the wicked and rewards the good. And so they had a portion of the truth, portion of wisdom, but they thought they understood it all. And they were foolish, weren't they? Because they thought they knew more than they, than they did. Yes, we need to realize that wisdom is, a, is, 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 is woven into the fabric of the universe, but we see it only partly. And then I would like you to see finally, finally then, the heart of wisdom, the heart of wisdom, and that is this. There is a person at the heart of the universe. There is a person at the heart of the universe. Now, we see this poem saying, I'm wisdom and I do all these things. On the one hand, of course, this is a great literary device. We understand that. But on the other hand, it, it points to something more. It points to a real a person. That person who we began to discover only much later in the biblical record, that person was none other than, none other than Jesus himself. Jesus himself who has called for us wisdom from God, the ultimate wisdom from God. The, uh, the heart of wisdom is this. There is a person at the heart of the universe. The poetry comes to a reality when it begins to teach to us that Jesus is the one who is wisdom from God. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians uh, 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 1.30. Christ has become for us wisdom from God. And in Colossians 2, 3, he in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And even John 1, 1, if we had time, we'd talk a little more about it, when it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. John 1, 1 to 3 or 4 or so. In the context in which that was written, the people of that day heard the word logos, which is the word for word, but that was also a setting for they understood the idea of wisdom, so that they would have also heard something 
like this. It's not the way to translate it, but it's a way they could have understood it. In the beginning was wisdom, and wisdom was with God, and wisdom was God. And all things were made through wisdom. And then later on, and wisdom became flesh and lived among us. There is a wisdom at the heart of the universe, and that wisdom is none other than Jesus himself. John is teaching us that wisdom is personal. It is found in relationship with Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, as 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, and in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, as Colossians 2.3 is. And the beauty of this story unfathomably, is that this wisdom from God became the God who would lay down His life for you and I, turning upside down the wisdom of this world. That's why 1 Corinthians 1 says, Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So as you look at this book of Proverbs, when you read it together this next week or so, be mindful of the fact that wisdom is at the heart of the universe and is the heart of a deep and personal relationship with God, which was made possible to us through the sacrifice of Jesus who gave his life for us. And, God, and, he, and we can read these words of wisdom and uh, Proverbs 10 through Uh, 31 are filled with words of wisdom, and they all ultimately are brought together under the person of this God who designed this world and wanted for it to be a flourishing world and designed it in wisdom so that there are, just as there are physical realities that we need to be wise to understand and apply to make things happen in our physical lives, there are social realities that we need to be wise to understand to apply to ourselves in terms of social uh, realities but also there are spiritual realities. Wisdom is found fundamentally in the person of Jesus Christ. We often sing a song here that says, Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, say that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night, uh, waking and sleeping, thy presence my light. But the second verse says this, Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I ever with thee and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, I thy true Son. Thou in me dwelling and I with thee one. The beauty is that 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 sacred dance of joy which made this world be born in the first place is the same sacred dance of joy that God wants to plant in your heart as you and I respond in faith to Him. Let's do that as we close our time in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the ultimate wisdom from God. And we recognize that uh, we lack a lot of wisdom culturally, politically, socially, and even personally. We need your help in providing, in, in, in applying the Uh, the wisdom of God to the complexities of our lives. You have said, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask of God and He will give it liberally. But let him ask in faith, nothing, nothing wavering. And it will be given to him. Father, I pray for those of us who are facing difficult decisions where we need wisdom. Give it to us, we pray. And help us to see fundamentally that wisdom was found 
in a carpenter who was on a cross, who gave his life for us, who was none other than God in the flesh. We respond in faith to him, and we ask you to give us wisdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs>